It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here with you once again on this Thursday episode of the program. My guest today is Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee. Last time we checked in with Chris, he was writing for the Niners Wire on the USA Today Network, has since moved on and uh, moving up in the world now, the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. So we'll be talking to him about everything that's going on with the 49ers as we approach this Monday night football contest with the New York Giants. I do want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are everywhere. And of course, LockedOn49ers.com. Not only the podcasts, but all kinds of other content going up there all the time. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can email the show LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. We'll have a little Fan Friday tomorrow. Get into the listener mailbag. So hit me up there on Twitter or via email. I already have a backlog of some emails and some things I want to get to on tomorrow's show. But hit me up on Twitter at BDPeacock. If you want to get involved with that mailbag show tomorrow, then on Monday, I guess we'll break down what happened on the NFL Sunday and then get in a last little preview of the Monday night football game and then rapid react next Tuesday following the Monday night football matchup with the Giants in week 10. And then since there's a bye week, there's no crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network for us on the Locked On 49ers show. So I guess we'll bring back the old school winky Wednesday next week on Wednesday, and then I'll probably take a day off because it is a bye week, but uh, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure all that out. But for now, let's bring on today's guest, Chris Biederman. You remember him. It's been a while. I didn't realize it's been all the way since the summer before Jarek McKinnon got hurt and before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. It feels like uh, years since I've talked to Mr. Chris Biederman, who used to be the 49ers beat writer for Niners Wire on the USA Today Network, has since moved on to the Sacramento Bee. So, First of all, Chris, congratulations on, on the new gig at the SAC B. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've been there for a while. It has been a long time since we've talked, hasn't it? Yeah, I didn't realize. I was like, I got to have Chris on the show. It's been a while, and I realized how long it's been because uh, that, that was, yeah, that was a big move you made. And uh, they finally were able to get rid of Matt Barrows and bring on a real writer over there at the SAC B. Yeah, Barrows <laughs> was, was causing all sorts of turmoil over there. So, yeah, they definitely had to make a move. Yeah, you know, I'm kidding, of course. Right. Obviously, everybody knows we're <laughs> kidding. Matt Barrow is one of the good dudes and a fantastic writer. Um, how often do you actually go to Sacramento, being that you cover a team that's, that's somewhat far away? Oh, I, uh, I went a couple times for, for HR stuff and when I first got hired, um, but I haven't been back since. So it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, I'm working remotely. And um, I'll go back. I'll go back to Sacramento uh, once the season ends because my mom was there, and uh, I try to see her as often as I can. But um, no, I 
I don't have to. I don't have to make that two and a half hour trek too too often. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, so let's let's get into some 49ers stuff here. Uh, obviously, coming off some good feels with that win against the the rival Oakland Raiders on Thursday night football in prime time. Such a great story with Nick Mullins. Uh, I got to ask you this: Nick Mullins, great quarterback or greatest quarterback? <laughs> Um, well, I just, I, I was looking at flights to Canton, Ohio in, uh, for the, for August of, uh, of what is it? 20, 2036 or, or whatever it's going to be. No, I Sounds mean, I, right. I think, um, in, in all honesty, like, you know, Mullins played really well and it, and it was impressive for a third string quarterback to play as well as he did in, in that spot. But I do think it was a situation where a lot of NFL quarterbacks probably would have played well against a Raiders team. Um, that wasn't playing all that hard, that wasn't being coached all that well uh, schematically. And, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan does what Kyle Shanahan does and, and called it a good game plan and put together a good game plan and called it a good game and put Mullins in, in a position to succeed. And, and one thing about this 49ers team that, that I think fans should probably appreciate is despite their record, they, they do play really hard. Um, and, you know, I know fans want them to tank and, and get the best draft pick possible, but, but these guys play with a lot of pride, um, even though the record doesn't reflect it. And, and talking to guys, they'll tell you that, you know, they're out over the second half of the season to prove that, um, you know, that they're better than what their record shows. So back to Mullins, uh, you know, he, he played well. He hit a lot of open receivers. He, he did some good things and, and made some throws and some tight windows like that, that long play to George Kittle that, that he ended up breaking off and um, the, the touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. I think Nick Mullins did some really good things, but uh, I'm very curious to see how he does against a real NFL defense um, that has a little bit of time to prepare and, and figure out his tendencies and, and maybe come in with a better game plan than, than what the Raiders did and, and play a more inspired brand than, than the Raiders did for sure. Um, and I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen against the Giants because the Giants are going through a similar type season as the Raiders are given, you know, they're one and seven too. Um, so, you know, I, I would expect Mullins to play reasonably well on Monday night. It's another good spot for him. I don't know that he's going to, you know, have one of the best quarterback ratings in, in club history like he did that last Thursday night. But uh, I, I do expect him to put to have a similar type game, and, and I'm curious to see how he does. You know, if, if I would assume he's going to be the starter in a couple weeks after the bye against Tampa, and, you know, that'll be a road game, and it might be a little bit different. Um, and then going forward, a couple games against Seattle and Denver, um, you know, we'll have to see if, if he's still under center. But, you know, things change a lot in the NFL on a week-to-week basis, and, and I'm curious to see how Nick Mullins reacts when, when he's – dealt a little bit of adversity when he's, you know, maybe playing from behind when he's playing a better opponent, you know, when, you know, he's down four points in the fourth quarter and, uh, and, you know, needs to orchestrate a touchdown drive to win. Can he do that? Uh, because we certainly, you know, didn't see that against the Raiders. That was a pretty easy game for him to play. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but, you know, he had the lead for, for the whole game. The Raiders offense obviously didn't do anything. It was, it was pretty easy going, and, and the running game was also effective, which is also very important for Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I'm just curious to see how Nick Mullins handles different situations in that Thursday night game against the Raiders, who, I mean, if we're all being honest, the Raiders are really awful in that game. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty clear that the Raiders are probably the worst team in the NFL, seeing, uh, seeing that go down and probably the best 
opportunity for a quarterback like Nick Mullins to step in and the best team to play against. Um, but how impressive was his confidence and quick processing and preparedness? I mean, it was apparent that Mullins was doing his work behind the scenes because he ran that offense about as efficient as we've seen under Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think that's a big takeaway from it. And the, the fact that Shanahan was felt good enough about, you know, his third string quarterback who spent all of last year on the practice squad, who was an undrafted rookie out of a small school who had never taken a, a regular season snap in an NFL game. The fact that he was confident enough to do it and albeit, you know, it wasn't exactly the biggest spot, uh, but to, to put him there indicates that, you know, Mullins has the trust of the coaching staff and has the trust of his teammates. And, and you talk to everybody in the locker room and I'll tell you the same thing that Mullins is one of the hardest working guys on the team and he knows the offense as well as anybody. And, uh, and you know, uh, that, that's one thing that Matt Breida said that really stood out to me because everyone says that about, about Breida, and that's one of the reasons why Breida, uh, you know, was, had such a quick ascent to, to his role with the team after also being an undrafted rookie. Breida really knew the playbook in and out. And I asked Breida how well, you know, what, what type of preparation – uh, Nick Mullins went through each week, and he's like, Mullins prepares more than I do. He's, he knows the offense better than I do. Um, so, you know, the, the coaching staff and, and everyone in that locker room is really impressed and, and trust Mullins just based on his preparation. And, and if there were any questions, it was that, you know, would it translate to the game? And, uh, and it did. And so, you know, it's a complex offense. He ran it well. He, he made throws on time. He got rid of the ball quickly. Um, he didn't have a particularly strong pass rush going against him so that obviously helps and, and I mentioned the running game was, was effective so uh, you know I, I, I do think it was impressive for a third string quarterback for a guy like I said an undrafted rookie out of a small school um, for, for him to be put in that spot and play like he did I think reflects well on him it reflects well on Kyle Shanahan and, and his ability to, to coach quarterbacks and coach offense um, and, and his teammates for, you know, playing hard and, and, uh, and put, you know, helping Mullins out. Those guys, you know, George Kittle plays hard every week. And, and you know, Pierre Garçon, when he's in there, he plays hard every week. And the offensive line, you know, it's been banged up. But guys haven't, you know, there are guys who are dealing with injuries. Mike Person has been healthy all year. He's been playing pretty well at right guard. Weston Richburg has been going through a knee injury. Lakin Tomlinson hasn't missed a snap. Uh, and, and these guys are all, with the exception of Tomlinson, I think, these guys have all been banged up at, at various times this season, and, and they haven't really missed any time. So I think it's a credit to them. And, and they just, you know, they're, they're still invested in the season, which, which is impressive. And, and, and I, only say, I, I only point that out because, you know, in 2016, I, I don't know that that was necessarily the case. And in 2015, I don't know that that was the case when obviously the season was, was clearly lost in the first half and they, and they just sort of, you know, didn't really have a whole lot to play for in the second half. These guys, this team is, is playing a little bit differently. And I, and I think Mullins being inserted into the starting lineup sort of, and, and playing like he did encapsulates that. Okay. We've got a lot more to get into with Chris here talking. Uh, I want to talk about the running back position that there's still a hole to fill on the roster, but first I got to let you guys know about blue chew. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue the color and chew. It's chewable. Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. 
so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA and... Since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Chris Biederman, 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee, is my guest today on Locked On 49ers. Chris, is there any news on who the 49ers might fill that hole at running back left by Raheem Mostert, who is on IR now with the broken arm from Thursday night? Amir Abdullah is not going to be that guy who's claimed by the Vikings, which means the Niners did not put a claim on him, which is somewhat mildly surprising, I think, to me. I guess you could activate Jeffrey Wilson from the practice squad. Uh, does it even matter who plays running back at this point for the 49ers? Because everyone's running off at a, a 7.5 clip. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. I, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, they they brought in a, another running back to the practice squad. Um, last name is Days. Uh, Matthew I forget Days, his first yeah. name at the moment. Uh, I, I should Days. know the practice squad better than I do. Uh, Matt Days. Yeah. He's he's the other guy who I, I'm guessing, it, unless, you know, I. I they, they weren't going to bring in Abdullah, or, or if they did, you know, they, they came up short when it came to, you know, money or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, I would say it's probably going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. just because he's been with the team throughout the offseason program and training camp and, and played a little bit in, in, uh, in the preseason. But, yeah, it, it's kind of an, an important spot now because Matt Breida, as good as he's been, he's been dealing with injuries throughout the entire year, and he doesn't miss any time. Um, but now there's going to be an even bigger burden on him to, to try to stay healthy now that Raheem Mostert's out for the year. Um, Alfred Morris doesn't do the same type of things that, that Breed and Mostert do, obviously, particularly in the outside zone runs, and, and he's more of a between-the-tackles guy and, and you know, isn't, isn't running at nearly the same clip as those guys are. So I, I would imagine it's going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. just because of his familiarity with the scheme, and, and he was a guy – um, you know, that Bobby Turner coveted uh, a little bit, you know, obviously signing him as an undrafted free agent indicates to me that the personnel department and, and Bobby Turner, the running backs coach, ha- had a role in, in that evaluation. So I would guess if he, if he continued, you know, if he continued developing and playing hard and, and, and uh, immersing himself in the offense throughout the season, it, it would be Jeff Wilson Jr., do you think you mentioned Matt Breida there and his ankle that he's been dealing with most of the season now? Do you think we'll see Breida and Ruben Foster? 
getting more time off and especially Ruben Foster this week, is it smart to sort of save some of these guys from themselves? It seems like Brita, there was a game where he probably shouldn't have been playing and, and Foster the same where there was a game earlier in the season where his arm was just dangling down to his side and he wasn't using it. And his shoulder is not even the thing that's been keeping him out. So at some point you have to save these guys from themselves and maybe hold them out an extra week so that they are healthy and they're not doing even more damage. Yeah, I think they would with Foster in particular. I talked to Brita about his, his, you know, his his willingness to play through injuries a little bit this week, and I think I'm going to write about it a little bit later on before Sunday's or Monday's game. But um, he hasn't missed a game since high school, and he's dealt. You know, he had shoulder surgery in college. Um, he's obviously dealt with knee, shoulder, and ankle injuries this year, uh, and he said, you know, the, the shoulder injuries this year weren't related to what he had. The, to his college shoulder surgery, but he's just, he takes so much pride in not missing any time. And, um, and so I, I wouldn't expect Brita to miss any time, no matter, you know, unless he like fractured something or, or just literally couldn't play when it, you know, he sprained his ankle pretty bad. I, I've seen him in the locker room after games, just really limping heavily. And, and I would just in my mind, I was like, all right, he's going to be done for, for at least a week or two or going to sit out. And he doesn't, he just, he figures out a way to get himself right. He plays through pain. He's, he's a tough dude. And at 195, you know, 200 pounds, he really, he really prides himself on his durability. Um, so I would not expect him to miss any time unless he absolutely had to, but Foster is a different, is a different kind of guy. Uh, not, not that he's, he's brittle or, or not tough or anything like that. He's just that his shoulder is, is problematic and, and he's acknowledged it. He's acknowledged how much pain he's played through. Um, he had an MRI and he said there wasn't really any structural damage. And after that game, you mentioned, I think it was the Rams game when he was really uh, laboring through that shoulder injury. It looked, it, he, he said it was just a stinger and, or just a, just, brain shoulder and it was just painful and there isn't any structural damage that an MRI revealed anyway. So Foster might miss some time. He missed the, he missed the Raiders game, um, but he wants to play. I don't think he's having the season that he envisioned he would have in his second year. And, you know, obviously with all the stuff in the off season, it was basically a lost off season for him. And, and I think he was really looking forward to getting back on the field this year, but it hasn't quite gone to plan and he hasn't been quite as effective as he wanted to be. And I think part of that's because of the shoulder. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, maybe they give him a week or two, uh, you know, Monday might be interesting because they have the buy uh, upcoming. And, and so that might give Foster a chance to, to really get his shoulder feeling better before the final stretch of the season. On the other hand, you know, they had a pretty elongated break playing on that, that Thursday night and then having the extra four days before the Monday night game the following week. So I, you know, we we haven't we haven't talked to Foster yet this week. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to talk to him tomorrow or on Friday, uh, and get an update on that. But I, I in terms of Brita, I think Brita is is going to go if he can, and and Foster, we'll just have to see. That's crazy about Brita, especially with that position at running back, not missing a game dating back to high school. I didn't know that. That's that's super impressive. And when it comes to Reuben Foster, as much as you want him to be healthy for the long term, man, that matchup on Monday night with Saquon Barkley and being able to chase him and corral him around Ruben Foster would really help. And that, that'd just be one of the matchups to be fun to watch. Yeah. And the, the Niners also want, you know, Foster and, and Fred Warner to, to build up as much chemistry and as, you know, as much of a rapport as possible. And they can't do that if Foster's on the sideline or if he's, you know, constantly getting shuffled in and out of games. So 
they want him to, to really get on a roll here and, and get comfortable within the defense. And, you know, Foster is, is an incredibly good instinctual player, uh, you know, when he's feeling right. But, but he still has to learn, you know, when to shoot his gun, so to speak. And sometimes he's a little bit over-aggressive. And, and there's things with, you know, his responsibilities and, and discipline that, that he still needs to work on. And, you know, obviously he can't do that if he's not in the game. And, and Fred Warner's, you know, the total opposite. He's the, the guy who's always, you know, super measured, super thoughtful, super, uh, you know, he's out there. He's Robert Sala calls him the smartest, the smartest player that they have on defense. I, I would guess that's, that's actually Richard Sherman, wow, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Warner's got to be, you know, Warner's got to be a close second. But the point is, is that Warner and Foster really have to develop that chemistry. And so that, that's really important for them over the second half of the season. And really the entire team, it, they just need to figure out how to play together, how to uh, going into next season, because obviously next season the, the, the expectations are going to be drastically different than they were this year. Now that, you know, a lot of these young guys have had more experience in the league. Time for a quick break. More with Chris Biederman coming up momentarily. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. We have an educated audience earning more than traditional media audiences, and we have local and national sponsorships available. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Chris, you touched on something there earlier about the the development and, and seeing Warner and Foster playing together, and obviously they're trying to build something here for the long term. So there's a lot of young players that haven't seen a ton of action this year. So where did the 49ers go from here in the second half of the season? Whether they win a few more games with Mullins down the stretch or not, can the team try to win without quote-unquote tanking while they develop some of the younger players? Yeah, they're... That tanking isn't even a word that's that's been brought up, uh, you know, to, to Kyle Shanahan or, or to anyone in the locker room, and they will all tell you, you know, I mean, it's just the NFL. Their their livelihoods on the line. No one can afford to to really tank. Obviously, some things that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have done have sort of pointed to this being, you know, a team still rebuilding, particularly after Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Jarek McKinnon's injuries, obviously. But tanking isn't something that, that they actively think about. They, they, the only way they think they can develop into a winning team next season or in 2020 is to win games now um, and to play better now and, and develop the consistency they need to, to really be a good team because ultimately the difference between the good teams and the bad teams in the NFL really comes down to consistency. And, you know, the Niners will show flashes that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do good things for a half and then the other half – they, they, you know, they'll be pretty miserable or, you know, they'll, they'll play three and a half quarters and then falter late in the fourth. And, and those are just, the, the, those inconsistencies are, are what make a bad team or what make a two and seven team. So, you know, in order to get on the right track and, and get towards playoff contention, they really have to start playing well and playing well over a full four quarters 
And so that's what they're going to aim to do in, in the second half of the season. Was last week's route, you mentioned there with winning games now, and so was that route of the Raiders a clue that simply competent quarterback play and a little heat on the opposing quarterbacks can make a massive difference in winning or losing games, especially close games, or or did that game just teach us more that the Raiders are a terrible football team? I think it, the, the overall theme I, I came away with you know, from that game is the fact, you know, the Niners and Raiders obviously have similar records, but they're just in two entirely different places as organizations. Like the, the Niners are obviously rebuilding and, and things haven't gone the way they want to, they want to go. But, but it spoke to, like I mentioned before, just the effort that they're playing with and the amount of buy-in that the players have. And, and I don't know that we're seeing that from the Raiders and, and I don't cover them, so I can't really speak to why, but I would imagine trading away, you know, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper when the expectation coming into the season was to compete for a playoff spot. I'd imagine that, that rubbed the locker room the wrong way. Uh, but contrasting that to the 49ers, like, there, there's no mixed messaging. There's no – everyone's on the same page and, and the players and coaching staff – seem like they all understand, you know, what, what the direction is they're going. And, and, you know, John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan have have worked really hard to bring in guys who will buy into the program, no matter what the situation and and no matter what type of adversity the team has dealt with. So the team started out 0-9 last year. Obviously they, you know, they lost those five games by, by three points or fewer, which had never happened in league history. And then, you know, behind Jimmy Garoppolo, they rally to become the first team to finish 6-10 and 10 after starting 0-9. That had never been done. And, and it sort of spoke to then the type of attitude that, that the players had. And, and they're going through something similar now, you know, after losing Garoppolo for the year with that ACL tear and losing McKinnon uh, also with a knee injury. They're, they're, it's a similar boat that they're in. They're, they're dealt with a ton of adversity and they're still fighting. And, and the Raiders... You know that game to me signaled that the Raiders are had, are not buying into the program, um, just purely based on effort level, and, and you know that that the 49ers the 49ers are playing with just more effort, and it signals to me that that the roster, that the players are in are in different head spaces in terms of their willingness to compete, and and the guys there with the 49ers seem like um, you know they're it's a it's a much younger team obviously, and so they're they're playing for their future while their guys on the Raiders, you know, it's one of the oldest rosters in the league. And, you know, you, it's, it's tough to have one of the oldest rosters in the league and then still be rebuilding. That's a very yeah. awkward phase that, that John Gruden has, has put that team in. So I think sort of that all kind of bubbled to the surface on Thursday and, and the, the result kind of spoke for itself in the sense that, you know, the Niners are, are buying into what Kyle Shanahan is selling and the Raiders are still trying to figure out, you know, how to properly message to their players, you know, what the direction of the organization is. Yeah, and you mentioned the quit that we saw in the Raiders, and I think it was pretty obvious. And it's funny because their opponent this week in the New York Giants was the team that was obviously that team that sort of quit last year. That was the worst team I think the 49ers saw. It's the only game that C.J. Beathard has won as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So uh, that's interesting to see if if that New York Giants team is, is on the verge of quitting themselves in, in this upcoming game on Monday Night Football. Real quick, Chris, I want to ask you about 
Bruce Irvin, because apparently the 49ers were in on Bruce Irvin after he passed through waivers and uh, he ended up choosing the Atlanta Falcons probably because they're more of a contender and he's worked with um, he's worked with the coaching staff there, Quinn especially. Uh, is is them being interested in Bruce Irvin sort of uh, an obvious key that they overestimated the current group of pass rushers coming into the season for the 49ers? Yeah, I... I, I still can't quite wrap my head around what what their thinking was throughout the off season, whether or not, um, well, particularly when it came to edge defenders, you know, with bringing in Jeremiah Tauchu and and deciding not to bring back Elvis Dumerville, who did end up retiring, um, and then cutting a Tauchu before final cuts, and then trading away Eli Harold, who who has played pretty well for the for the Lions. Uh, I, I haven't. You know, I haven't gotten a definitive answer on, on what exactly the thinking was there. Uh, they, they talk about Cassius Marsh a lot um, and, and, you know, how hard they think he plays. And obviously he had that game against the Raiders with two and a half sacks. And, you know, that's on the heels of the game in Arizona where, you know, he, he forced that safety in the, first, in the first half against the Cardinals. So, you know, maybe Cassius Marsh is, is going to play a little bit better and, and make the 49ers look good for believing in him and, and giving him all that you know, all that run that he's been getting. Um, and you could say the same for Ronald Blair too, but you know, the, uh, it, it's tough to say you hear these, the, the Niners have been the, the personnel department or the front office or, or whoever is, has been, um, you know, leaking the information that they're interested in players like Bruce Irvin or Cleo Mack. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of it falls on deaf ears when you when you don't land the player. In my opinion, like it, it's it's just sort of talk, and and it might just be mess. You know, I I don't know if it's if it's how how much uh, substance there is to to those to those words, or whether or not it's just messaging to say to the fan base, hey, we're really trying to get better. Um, you know, I think if the 49ers really wanted Khalil Mack then maybe they could have upped their offer and, and you know, done better than, than what the Bears were willing to offer. And, and not, not, not saying that they should have, you know, in, that done something crazy like give them three first-round picks or whatever. But, you know, it, it doesn't it – does, to me, it just doesn't look great when you say, oh, yeah, we're, we were in on that guy. We gave a real we – we, we put a really aggressive offer out there, and, and he didn't choose us. To me, if, if you don't land the player, it's best not to say anything. Um, but I do understand the point of, you know, they, they want to show the fans that, that they're going to be aggressive and, and going after these guys. But um, I don't know how much Bruce Irvin ultimately would have helped. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's 31. Um, you don't know if he would have been around next year. I, I feel pretty co- confident in saying the Niners are going to make uh, a strong effort to, you know, find the pass rushers in both free agency and the draft after, after making such minimal investments in that position uh, these last two years. So, you know, I, w- Bruce Irvin might have, you know, provided an upgrade over, over Cassius Marsh or Dakota Watson over, over the remainder of the season, but to what end? So, you know, what, what meaningful difference is that really going to make if he's not a guy that's going to be around for the future? So um, it didn't surprise me that, that Irvin didn't end up here. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, it's, it's at this point, it sort of behooves the Niners to, to stick with Ronald Blair and Dakota Watson and Cassius Marsh just to see, you know, if those guys are worth keeping around for 2019 when they do bring in actual reinforcements who will be around, you know, for three, four or five years down the line. 
That is Chris Biederman. You can find all of his work at SACB.com. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Biederman. Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On 49ers. Thanks again to Chris Biederman for joining the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Get those mailbag questions in. Hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock, and we'll do a little Fan Friday show tomorrow right here on Locked On 49ers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.